Miriam. Miriam. Oh, very good. The hate of Moshe is very difficult. It's hard to understand. I mean, all the, the Rishonim have all uh, uh, brought up the many problems with the story. That uh, what did Moshe Rabbeinu do that was so terrible? What's the difference between hitting the rock and speaking to the rock? This is a miracle. That's a miracle. You would not expect that if you hit a rock, water comes gushing out. And so what was it that B'nai Yisrael would misunderstand? What was it that, what was the pitfall into which they were going to fall? All of that, all of that has already been expounded upon. Has already been expounded upon. And in past years, I mentioned the, the solution of the Baal Ha'ikarim. Baal Ha'ikarim. Yosef Albo wrote a book called Ikarim. The, like the foundations of the faith, in which he put everything that he wanted to say about anything. So he talks about this hate of Moshe and Aaron. He says, what was the hate? So he says, if you look at, this is the Balei Karim, which I'm just reminding you of. He says, um, he says in Pasuk Vav, in Pasuk, after B'nai Yisrael come to complain to Moshe and Aaron that there's no water, and you know that there's no water because Miriam died. Miriam was the one who was responsible for supplying water to the Jews of the desert. She died, and the supply was cut off. The Jews were like really unhappy about that. I mean, you could pretty, in the desert, if you don't have water, so that's a problem. And even if they did have a little bit of water, the future for them and water was not very optimistic. So the Yosef Albo says, look at Pasuk Vav. This is by way of introduction to what I would like to say. He says, look at Pasuk Vav. And so the people came to complain to Moshe Rabbeinu and to Aaron HaKohen. And so Moshe and Aaron, Moshe and Aaron came together. They sort of like turned away didn't want to face the kahal, right? El petach ohel mo'ed. They came to the opening, the doorway of the ohel mo'ed, the, 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 what we call the mishkan. Vayiplu al p'neihem. Vayiplu al p'neihem. What does vayiplu al p'neihem mean? They fell upon their faces. What does that mean? That they just didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to say. They didn't know how to react. In other words, in other words, they did not have confidence that HaKadosh Baruch Hu would provide them with a miracle if they demanded one. For example, the Sefer Ikarim says, when Yoshua bin Nun was fighting the battle against Ai, and he knew that if the day fell, if night fell, as we say, night fell, then that they would not be able to emerge victorious. They wouldn't be able to win the battle because you can't fight very well at night. So Yoshua bin Nun, without consulting with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, not going and saying, what should I do? How could I change this? How are you going to help us? He said, he, Yoshua bin Nun said, Shemesh begivon don v'yareach Everybody, if you go to uh, 
Efrat through the back road, you pass Amek Ayalon. That's where the army has all of those uh, saucers, those reflecting saucers. That's Amek Ayalon. So what did Yoshua say? Shemesh Vigivon Dom. He said the sun should stop and the moon should stop. But nobody told him to say that. Nobody told him that it would work. So that Yoshua bin Nun, according to the Sefer Ikarim, remember? Sefer Ikarim? Yoshua bin Nun, Yoshua bin Nun said to, to the world, he said, Shemesh Vigivon Dom. He was confident that God would fulfill his request. And so the battle was won because the day didn't end. That day didn't end. So the Sefer Yikarim said, what Moshe Rabbeinu, the, the, uh, the sad part about the, uh, the response of Moshe and Aaron was that they announced that they didn't know what to do. They didn't know what to do. And so all B'nai Israel standing there and they said, give us water. We don't have any water. Moshe and Aaron look around and they say, we don't know what to do. We will, we will uh, express our inability to solve this problem by falling on our faces before Kodesh Baruch And therefore, that was the Chilul Hashem that the Torah is talking about. That Moshe Rabbeinu did not express confidence that God would save them. Right? And this is what's the difference now? The Moshe Rabbeinu could have just stood there and said, let there be water. Let the water come from someplace. Just as the water for the last 40 years came from Miriam's well. So they could have another well with somebody else's well. The, the, I mean, the whole thing was, according to the Sefi Karim, was inconceivable. It was inconceivable that Moshe Rabbeinu would not have the same trust that God would support him that Yoshua bin Nun had in the war against, the war against I. So this was the explanation that I've kind of mentioned on several occasions because I like it. It somehow makes sense in the context of what is going on. However, tonight I would like to suggest a different interpretation, if I may. So we look at the Psukim, right? That's our, our parasha, the parasha of Chukat. Midbar Tzin, B'chodesh HaRishon, B'chodesh HaRishon is close to Nisan. V'yishev ha'am b'kadesh v'tamat sham miriyam v'tigavar sham. So that's the background. Right? We lost the water. Right? Rashi says, v'tamat sham miriyam. You see this whole column is Rashi. Lama nismecha parashat mitat miriyam v'parashat paraduma. How come the end of the parash of Korach is about the death of Miriam? And the beginning of the parasha of Chukat is about para aduma. Lomalcha ma korbanot bichaprim af mitat tzadikim michaperet. So Rashi, Rashi brings some notion that he derived from the Gemara, which just like korbanot michaprim, we know that the, the Gemara says that the korban tamid. The, the korban that was given every day, twice a day, in the Beit HaMikdash, once in the morning and once in the afternoon. And the Gemara says that's, you know, in memory of those two korbanot, we say Shemona Esri in the morning, called Shacharit, and then we say Shemona Esri in the afternoon, 
called Mincha, right? It's in memory of these two, of these two korbanot. So the Gemara says that these korbanot are mechaprim. That that even though we tend to sort of like connect kapara atonement with Yom Hakippurim, in fact, the Gemara thinks that it was necessary to have atonement on a daily basis. You had to atone or be atoned every day for whatever you did that demanded that you should be atoned, right? Whatever that might be. So the Gemara says, So that's Vatamot Miriam and Paraduma. Vatamot Sham Miriam, Rashi says, Nishika is a kiss. She died, meaning she didn't suffer. She went to sleep and she died. That was the same way that Aaron Cohen died. Which is what it says by Aaron, that Aaron died with, from the mouth of God, as though it was, he was kissed. It's not nice for, for heaven to kiss a woman, I guess. In the parish of Masay, it says, Al Pi Hashem, when it came to the death of Aaron. So they drank water for 40 years because of the merit. So this is the background to the story. There was no water. Why was there no water? Because Miriam died. What does Miriam have to do with the water? Something. She provided the water. She was in charge of, of, of the water. Of course, you know, she saved Moshe Rabbeinu, who was in the water. She may have put him in the water. So she had a special kind of uh, relationship uh, with water. So Pasuk Gimel, Vayareva Ame Moshe. They had a fight with Moshe Rabbeinu. Vayomru Mor. And we, we, we should have died already, right? Uh, Rashi says, Oh, we, we now yearn for our own deaths, right? Why did you take us to die here? We and our flocks, right? Rashi says, if you look at Pasuk, Pasuk, hey, uh, well, where is it? Lugavanu, Bikvachenu. Okay, it doesn't, Rashi doesn't explain it here, he explains it later on. Pasuk, hey, five. Why do you take us out of Mitzrayim to bring us to this terrible place? These are standard arguments that B'nai Yisrael applied from time to time. Right? This is not a place where things grow. We're in the desert. Nothing grows here. And there's no water. El Petach Olmo 8, right? Moshe and Aaron came facing the, the community. El Petach Olmo 8, Vayiplu al Pnehem, this is the, the, the Pasuk of the Sefer Ikarim, Vayera Kavod Hashem Alehem. 
Like, I don't know what that means. Hashem in Hebrew, it translated that the Kavod Hashem, which equals the presence of God. It was they knew that God would. I mean, you know, it's not to uh, to undermine the Kabbalistic idea that God is everywhere. God is outside of everywhere and inside of everywhere. But sometimes you have a heightened awareness of God's presence. And that's called Kavod Hashem in the Torah. So when the Torah was given to Bnei Yisrael at Har Sinai, they all knew Kavod Hashem. They knew it was God. They, it, was, it looked like a cloud to some. But to others, it was clearly God. Right? You understand the, the difference? It, it, it was the Torah says that God appeared to Bnei Yisrael at Har Sinai in a cloud. Right? So the question is, so what did Bnei Yisrael see? Well, when they looked up, what did they see? Well, if they saw a cloud, so what's the big deal? I mean, a cloud is a cloud. So it must be that they saw a cloud, but they knew it was God. Now, how that happened, I don't know. But this is whatever the Torah says, it means that on the one hand, you could describe it in some prosaic way, right? It was a, like a cloud. But on the other hand, the people who saw that cloud, what they were actually looking at was the presence of God. Pasuk Zayin, Pasuk Now here we have this problem. Yes? Mate is a staff. And bring all the people together. And you should speak to the rock Lifnehem. That's what God says to Moshe and our, uh, to Moshe Rabbeinu, right? And the Sela will give out its waters. You'll take water out of the out of this rock. And you will water, give water to the people and to Be'iram. So there's a side problem here, like why? If they all think they're going to die, why are they talking about their flocks? But this is something that, uh, you know, flocks are an indication of something in, in, in biblical literature, we would say. But you remember that in the city of Nineveh, when Yonah came to the city of Nineveh, he said, He said, in 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed unless you do tshuva. And they did. All the people in Nineveh did tshuva. All the people in Nineveh. All the people, including the king, who came down off of his throne and uh, uh, wore uh, the attire of mourning, and he, and he uh, uh, did tshuva, but also the animals in Nineveh also did tshuva. If you remember, if you're in Shul and Yom HaKippurim at that hour, and you can still stay awake while somebody is reading this at that time, even though it's a very short book of the Tanakh, but it's a very long Haftorah, 
And if you could still stay awake, when you get to the third chapter, right, you'll see that all the animals also did tshuva. And you see here, you see here that the only way that the, somehow that the Jews could present their need, their needy, they have nothing to drink, they have to say, we have nothing to drink, our animals have nothing to drink. Why the animals play such a role? Well, maybe we'll see. So Hashem says to Moshe Rabbeinu clearly, you speak to the rock. You'll take water out of this, out of this rock. That's what, that's what the critical pasuk, the critical pasuk uh, uh, says. Pasuk there's a special pasuk that says that Moshe Rabbeinu took the mateh, like the staff. He took this staff. Now we know about this staff, but I won't tell you now because we'll see what it says in Shemot shortly. So this is the Rambam. Remember the Rambam? The Rambam's explanation for the Chait of Moshe, I told you the Sefer Karim's interpretation, right? So you have to know the Rambam's interpretation. The Rambam's interpretation was that, that Moshe said, Shimuna Hamorim, listen, you guys who, I, who are, are, are unpleasant, unhappy, uh, uh, annoying. Uh, rebellious. What? Rebellious. Okay, rebellious, good, I like that. So what is what did the Rambam say? What did the Rambam say in its introduction to uh, uh, Sanhedrin, the last paragraph of Sanhedrin, the Rambam says they got angry at them. Anger is not allowed. You know the, the Rambam. If you ever went to the Rambam, say for Amado, you see that the Rambam thought that you're not allowed to get angry. You're not allowed to get angry. Why are you allowed to get angry? Because you get angry, you can't think straight. You're thinking out of anger. You're not thinking out of, like, Torah. So a person who's angry can't pask in a shayla. He can't make a determination that's related to Torah. He can't give you advice. He can't do it. He just can't get out of, he can't get out of his anger. So the Rambam said here, you see it says, Shimuna Hamorim? You see it says that? You see that Moshe was angry? He wasn't being Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu was the leader, was the one who should give direction the one who should fix the things that are going wrong. He shouldn't say, oh, I've, I've had it, you know, I'm not into this job anymore. That should not be Moshe Rabbeinu. So that's Shimuna Hamorim Amina Sela Zenot And it's not clear why Moshe, what do you mean Moshe, what do you mean Amina Sela Zenot Zila He says, come on guys, dare me to do it. You know, dare me to get water. And just stand up to the rock and, and get the water. And then everybody will know that it was a great thing. Why should Moshe Rabbeinu, why should Moshe Rabbeinu say to Bnei Yisrael, Hamin hasela hazen notzi lechem mayim. Pasuk Yud Aleph, Vayaro Moshe Yedo, he lifted up his head, Vayachet haselu vateu pa'amayim. That's what the Pasuk says. He hit the cellar, hit the rock twice. Vayetzu mayim rabim vateishtai dabba yibirah. And a lot of water came out. So this is again a problem. Did he do the right thing? Did he do the wrong thing? If he did the wrong thing, how come it worked? 
if he was supposed to speak to the rock and not to hit the rock so why is it that having hit the rock all the water came out it's like it's like uh, uh, if God says to Moshe Rabbeinu okay you hit the rock but it's good enough so it's good enough so for that he's going to be punished and not to go not allowed to go to Eretz Israel doesn't the whole story it breaks down it doesn't make any sense look at Rashi Rashi says to Pasuk Yud Aleph Pasuk Yud Vayikalu Vigomer Vayikalu they got together all the people Rashi says Echad Minam Atobot Shechazik Mu'atet can't I can't explain this but what it means literally is that this is one of the psukim that have to be um, clarified. There's more in it than meets the eye. It's not just the words that Moshe Rabbeinu said. And so what is it that means, meets the, what's the more than meets the eye? Amin asel azenotzi. Moshe Rabbeinu said to them, you think we can do it? You think we can get water out of this rock? Lefi shelo hayu bakirim oto. Rashi is the greatest. He tells us it's a whole different story. With Moshe Rabbeinu said, what do you think? You think we can get out of this rock? He wasn't saying, do you think I could do that? Or do you think God could do that? But he was saying something else entirely, according to Rashi. They didn't know which rock God was referring to. God said, God said, go and talk to the rock. He didn't say, go talk to a rock, any rock, a rock of your choice. He said, go and talk to the rock of my choice. Moshe made it turned around, and he lost it. All the rocks looked the same. So he said to the people, you think we could do it? You think, you think we could get water out of the rock? Because I lost the rock. I've, I've lost the, the rock I'm supposed to use. L'fisha halacha selah, yeshav lo ben because the appointed rock went and put itself in between all the other rocks, so you couldn't tell one from the other. They all looked the same. Yes? When the well disappeared, Miriam's well. So B'nai Yisrael said to Moshe, which rock is going to be the rock that gives us water? And that's why Moshe Rabbeinu got angry at them. Because they didn't believe that Moshe Rabbeinu could find the rock that would bring them the water. Morim in Greek somehow means fools. Morim et morehem. They deny their teachers. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu said. Moshe Rabbeinu said, you see this rock? It's not the rock. I mean, I don't know where the rock is. You think we can get water out of this rock? So Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu was, was, was talking to them about something else. He says, he says, of course if I knew which rock God told me to use, I would be able to use it. Right, but I don't know which one it is. So what do you think, people? You think I'll get water? You think God will be on our side? Even if we don't do it, don't do it properly. One more pasuk in Rashi. Pasuk Yud Aleph Vayarem Moshe He hit the rock twice. Which rock did he hit? A rock. 
Eirak, twice. Rashi says, Pamayim, you see Pasuk Yudalev Rashi. He hit the first rock and all he got were a few drops of water. So here Rashi, Rashi says, why they only get drops? Because God said, speak to the rock. And he hit the rock. He told them to speak to the rock. So they did that. They did speak to the rock, but they spoke to the wrong rock. And because they spoke to the wrong, spoke to the wrong rock, Amru, Shema Tsarich Lakot Kivarishona. And so they said, Who's they? Moshe and Aaron. They said, maybe we should hit the rock as we were originally instructed to do. Shene'emar v'ikita batzur. V'ikita batzur. V'nizdamein lehem oto sela And they kind of met up with that rock and they hit it. So again, why is it, according to Rashi, why did Moshe Rabbeinu do what he did? Well, according to Rashi, he followed this, the instructions that God laid out. God said, speak to the rock. That's exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu did. But it didn't work. He only got a few drops of water out of that rock. So when he decided to try again, when he decided to try again, he said, okay, maybe I made a mistake. Maybe I didn't understand what God wanted me to do. Because God said, but maybe the intention was, do what you did last time. Do what you did the first time around. So let, let's look at those sukkim first, and then we'll, I'll try to put it together again. So if you turn over the page, you see, Shmot Parakudzai, the bottom of the page, Shmot Perik Yud Zayin Vayisu kol adat b'nei Yisrael mibibar sin v'matzeihem al pi Hashem v'yechanu b'refidim v'ein ma'im l'shtot ha'am So you have to understand this was after Kriyat Yamsuf after the splitting of the sea the all of a sudden there was no water this was not connected to Miriam Miriam living Miriam dying there's no water Pasuk bet, exactly the same phrase as in our parasha. You're responsible, you're our leader. Give us water. What have I got to do with this? Why fight with me? They probably had a little bit of water left. He says, You have to have faith. I have faith that everything will be all right. What are you coming to me for? Moshe Rabbeinu says, Pasuk Gimel, They were very thirsty. And they were annoying Moshe Rabbeinu. So they said the same thing. Why did you take us out of Mitzrayim? We're going to just die here. We don't have any water. Well, I'm going to die, my children are going to die, my, my, my animals are going to 
to die, Pasuk Dalit, even worse than, worse than what Moshe Rabbeinu did in the parish of Chukat. In the parish of Chukat, they fell on their face. They, they didn't know what to do. Here Moshe Rabbeinu says, save me. Turns to God and says, save me. In another, in another little bit, they're going to, they're going to stone me. Pasuk hey. Take some elders with you. And your staff. The staff with which you beat up on the river. Take it in your hand and go. Pasuk the last Pasuk here. Listen to this pasuk. This is the pasuk that explains everything. God says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I, so to speak, stand before you there on the stone, on the rock. There was, there's a rock from which the, the, uh, the uh, water is going to come. How does Moshe Rabbeinu know which rock it is that is going to produce the water? Because that rock, if you look at it, you see God standing on that rock. And then you hit the rock. And the water will come out and everybody will drink. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu did. There was no problem, there were no issues. Moshe Rabbeinu did what he was supposed to do. He hit the rock. He hit the rock and the water came out. Now look at Rashi. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, uh, You see that Rashi? It's the fifth line in the Rashi. Ma Talmud lomar asher ikita bo Why does the Pasuk say that this mateh, that this staff, is the staff that you hit the river with? Ella, shehayu Yisrael omrim al hamateh. That B'nai Yisrael would speak about the mateh, about this staff. It only brings bad things on the world. That's the paro, and the Egyptians were afflicted through the action of the Makkah. There were several plagues in Mitzrayim and on the sea. So this, to me, is the strangest Rashi that I've ever encountered. Like the people, the people had like a living relationship with the Mateh, with this, with this staff. And they said, this staff only does bad things. And HaKadosh Baruch wanted to show them that sometimes the staff does good things. So the same staff 
which turned the water into blood and brought the locusts into the world. That same staff is now going to bring water for the Jews, right? The staff. So people will, won't say any longer, they won't say any longer that the mateh is, only brings bad things into the world, but they can see that it also brings good things into the world. So I didn't understand this, Rasha. I mean, isn't it, isn't it true that God runs the world? Isn't it true that good comes from God and bad comes from God? And this seems to be a pretty elementary kind of position. And to say that the mate does bad things, or to prove that the mate can do good things, like bring water into the world, seems to me to be kind of a strange point. I mean, what are we talking about? What, what is it, what, what, what is going on here? What is going on? So I think, I think, what I think is that there's a subtext here. It's not just that B'nai Yisrael wanted water and HaKadosh Baruch is going to give it to them. And the way that HaKadosh Baruch is going to give it to them is using Moshe Rabbeinu and the staff as an agent to produce water that comes out of a cellar. Right? But look at the picture that is drawn that Rashi does not address. Rashi does not address. Look at the picture. Here's Moshe Rabbeinu. Here's B'nai Yisrael. They want water. Moshe Rabbeinu now knows that he can bring them water. How does he know that? Well, there's a rock. Well, there are a lot of rocks. How does he know which rock? Well, God is on the rock. God is there. It's almost as though God is pointing to the rock that Moshe Rabbeinu is supposed to use exactly what was missing in the parasha, in our parasha, in Chukat. I mean, who's missing? Moshe Rabbeinu lost track of the, of the rock. He couldn't find it. So there's an advantage in the Shemot that God is pointing at the rock. He's saying, here it is. Here is the rock. And then Moshe Rabbeinu goes over and he takes the staff and he hits the rock with the staff. You say, well, his God is right there, ready to give, what does Moshe Rabbeinu have to go and hit the, 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 the rock with the staff for? Why can't the water just come out? Everybody sees that God is there. Everybody sees that God is doing this. I mean, what's the difference if Moshe Rabbeinu hits the rock? So along comes Rashi, and Rashi says, well, it's educational. So there's an educational side, side theme here. But they, Israel, they thought that the Mateh does bad things. Now they learn the Mateh doesn't only do bad things. So what is the explanation? What is the explanation of this story in Shemot? You know, sometimes there are bad implications to good things. Why was there a Mateh? Why did Moshe Rabbeinu have a staff? I mean, why does he need this? Okay, the first miracle that Moshe Rabbeinu did was that the staff turned into a snake. Okay, I needed a staff. Otherwise, I wouldn't have had something to turn into a snake. But when Moshe Rabbeinu raised the staff, when Moshe Rabbeinu raised the staff over the water, 
and it all turned into blood. I mean, why did they need the staff? Why did they need the staff? So I think, I think there was a weakness. The, the Ramban speaks about it also in the beginning of the parasha of Lech Lecha, that prophecy, it was never enough for, or not never, it was often not enough for the prophet to just prophesy, this is going to happen, or this miracle will take place. And that wasn't enough. The prophet was supposed to also act out his prophecy, make it live, right? So, Tzitka ben Kinana, he walked around with a yoke indicating that the exile would begin. Right? It wasn't just word of mouth, but there was a kind of acting out of the, uh, of the prophecy. So when Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted to say to Bnei Israel, here is a miracle, it's coming up. God is doing the miracle. And this was a problem that the Jews had. I mean, how do you know how do you know for sure that God is doing a miracle when the miracle takes place? That's a, 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 a very difficult question, a very difficult thing to, to direct people about. I mean, how do you know that this is uh, God's miracle and not the miracle of the sun or the moon or the stars or some other, some other thing? Right, and so you see, so you see, if you look at the last Rashi in Shemot, in the Neo Medle for Nechalatzur, the Chorev, Vikita Batzur, so the last Rashi says, Vikita Batzur, you'll hit the rock. Al Hatzur, Lonemar, El Batzur. It doesn't say you'll hit upon the rock, but you'll hit in the rock. You'll hit in the rock, Mikan, Shemateha Yashal Min Davar Chazak. So what do you say? What does that, what does that mean? That the, that the mate was made up of superior strong material like platinum, like, like your visa, right? The platinum visa, platinum. I, I don't know if it's very strong or not, but maybe it is. Uh, titanium, that's very strong. So, so the, the staff was made up of something that was so strong that it could break down stone. It could, that you hit the stone with the staff and the, and the stone broke apart. The rock broke apart and the water came out. Now, why does Rashi, why does Rashi put that in? I mean, What's the difference what the mate is made out of? God said, hit the, hit, the, hit the rock. You hit the rock, out comes water. I mean, what does it have to be? If everybody thought, if everybody thought that the mate was made up of something very, very strong that could even break a stone, then what might they say about what Moshe Rabbeinu is doing? They might say, it's not God, it's the Mate. It's the Mate. And so, as a result of Yitziat Mitzrayim, as a result of everything that happened in Egypt, 
the mater, the staff, had an independent standing. Who took you out of Mitzrayim? Moshe Rabbeinu, yes. Aaron, yes. Miriam, yes. Mateh, yes. Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't have done it without the Mateh. In other words, the Mateh was a cause for idolatry of a sort, right? Even though the Mateh might have been special, it might have been unique, it might have been one of a kind, it might have been made out of titanium and able to split the rock. Nevertheless, nevertheless, the Mateh had an independent standing. Moshe Rabbeinu, he couldn't do it without the Mateh. He couldn't do it without the Mateh. He needed that Mateh. That's why God told him to take the Mateh all the time and to do whatever he did, including Kriyat Yamsuf. Take the Mateh. Take it. Go with it. So the people, people naturally would, have, would say, oh, this Mateh, this Mateh must be something that, uh, uh, this Mateh is something that is special. And then Moshe Rabbeinu couldn't do it without the Mateh. And maybe, just as God is a subject of uh, veneration, maybe the Mateh is also a subject of veneration. So what did God say to Moshe Rabbeinu? This is how I want you to get the water out of the rock. I want you to go to the rock that HaKadosh Baruch is pointing at. I want everybody to see that God is on the rock, that God is there. And then when you hit the, the rock with the, with the staff, then everybody will know, everybody will know that it's God and that it's not the Mateh. Even though you're hitting the, the rock with the Mateh, but they'll see, they'll see. What does the Pasuk say? I'm standing there upon the rock. What happened in the parasha of Chukat? What happened in the parasha of Chukat? The parasha of Chukat. Okay, we've done away with the, with the Mateh. We've done away with it. So HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, I want you to show everybody that we've done away with the Mateh. How do you show that you've done away with it? Take the Mateh, go to the rock, and then speak to the rock. Don't use the Mateh. Don't use the Mateh. Then everybody will know that the power that they, that they thought existed within the Mateh is gone. It's no longer there. They've cured this aspect of idolatry. Look as Rashi it says, well, he, he lost the rock. There was no one pointing at the rock. So Moshe Rabbeinu came to an incorrect conclusion. He said that if there's nothing pointing to the rock, as there was in Shemot, right, God was on the rock, God was actually there. If there's nobody pointing at the rock, it must be, it must be that we're still obliged to hit the rock as we were in the parsha, in the parsha of Shemot. So Moshe Rabbeinu had this opportunity, I would say. Moshe Rabbeinu had this opportunity. What was his opportunity? To show that the Mateh doesn't do anything. And he missed that opportunity because he said the wrong shot. He said the wrong shot in the reality check. The reality was he was looking for the rock, he couldn't find it. God did not point to the rock at all. And so he thought they, they were still repeating the earlier situation, which was to show people that the Mateh did not have ultimate power, but they were not yet ready 
to live without this, without this matet. So that's why in the Torah, this is considered to be a chilul Hashem, because it was done in order to protect the people from a certain kind of idolatrous position. And because Moshe Rabbeinu said the wrong pshat, here according to Rashi, Moshe Rabbeinu said the wrong pshat, and since he said the wrong pshat, he was not able to bring that into, into fruition. Now you know that at the end of the Torah, in the parish of Ayelech, Moshe Rabbeinu guarantees that Bnei Yisrael are going to return to idolatry. That's what the Pasuk says at the end of the parish of Ayelech, Mitzvah Vayelech, Azinu Bracha. At the end of Vayelech, it says that I am sure that you will return. He, Moshe Rabbeinu, says, I'm sure you will return to idolatry. How is he so sure? How can you be so sure about something so terrible? So the answer is that that's why he wasn't going to Eretz Yisrael. He lost the opportunity to usurp idolatry from Bnei Yisrael by proving to them that the Mateh had no intrinsic power. And even though after this story in Chukat, the Mateh was taken away and put into the Aaron Kodesh, right, left there, it nevertheless, the memory of the, as we'll see, the memory of objects somehow having an effect on the reality that God imposes upon the situation did not disappear so easily. And so when they made that snake, you know, made out of copper to fight off the, the, the advance of snakes, well, that was just another example of the matet. It was another example of the, of the staff, of the staff. And so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu tried to follow God's directive, according to Rashi. He failed because he didn't know which stone it was. God was not there to point to the stone that would give in to Dibur and not to, not to the Mateh. And therefore Moshe Rabbeinu missed the opportunity to wipe out the certain kind of idolatry which actually still exists today, I think, in many places, to wipe out the idolatry of the matet, of the object, which be became almost a partner in the enterprise that Moshe Rabbeinu uh, was undertaking to get the Jews out of Mitzrayim, and alongside of that to get Mitzrayim out of the Jews. Right, they get the attitudes and the and the idolatry out of the Jews as they left as they left Mitzrayim. Okay, uh, have a good shabbos. There's a Ramban on the sheet, but we can't. I can't do it now. It's too. Uh, but the Ramban basically goes through the questions, goes through the questions and tries to answer them, but not in the way I answer them. The separator with that. What does he do with the next, like, the, the, the following psukim? Is that other... Does yeah, he doesn't mention it. He just talks about the way he blew up at AM. But presumably, even those, those appear unfavorable, right? I mean, they so, appear? I mean, they, they, they look like they're something lacking in Israel. On the other, when we're more Morim, I mean, according to... Yeah, I mean, so... So the question was not whether Bnei Yisrael were guilty of something. 
The question was, what was the thing that Moshe Rabbeinu did that made the punishment so severe? That was the question that the Sefer Karin was answering. That was the question that all the Rishonim deal with. The summary of all, uh, all this is found in the, in the Barbanel. It summarizes all the questions that anybody ever asked about this parashat. And then he tries to answer it. This collection of questions is better than the answer. The answer is very difficult. I mean, it's not far from obvious what's really going on. I mean, you have to have, you have like some kind of a position about Moshe Rabbeinu. So like religious people think that Moshe Rabbeinu was sitting and learning Torah all the time. So how could he make a mistake like that? But you could, you know, so you have to say somehow that making mistakes is sometimes somehow built into the system. And the fact that Moshe Rabbeinu was able to make, other than Chava made a mistake about whether they could eat from the Eitzadas, they were wrong. They said, they said an incorrect, incorrect shot. And here Moshe Rabbeinu was wrong about what God really wanted from him. So that you could be wrong. I mean, that was, a, that was one of the lessons in the Torah, that the, the judges, we would call them Rabbanim maybe, but the judges uh, could be wrong. And even if they're wrong, we have to listen to what they, to what they say, because in heaven, I mean, if you think in those kind of terms, in heaven they make it right. <coughs> and it's, it's like right and wrong become, become postmodern, right and wrong. Like there's no right and there's no wrong. There's only whatever we agree is right. That's not postmodern. Postmodern, they just say there's no right and wrong, so go do whatever you want. But we say there's no right and wrong, but yet do something. But, well, but it's Hashem who makes He didn't communicate clearly. Yeah, but that's the lesson. Our lesson is that you can be wrong. That's what God allowed. He could have grabbed onto Moshe Rabbeinu's hand and said, no, 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 talk to, talk to that rock. But he didn't, didn't do that. In, in other words, uh, we, that's the world we live in. We live in a world, like that's why we learn Gemara. Because Gemara is the, is the place where the opinions reside. Halacha is something else. Halacha is about what we do. But that doesn't stop us from learning Gemara. Because the truth of it is not in what we do, but in what it might be. That's where the truth is. The truth is in the Gemara. The truth is not, not, not it's true, if you've never learned Shulchan Aruch, you know that we have managed to make the Shulchan Aruch into the Gemara. Like we, we retro it, retro everything. So it becomes another Gemara, the Shulchan Aruch. But Psaq, so let's see if we have a question. Hillel says this and Shabbat says that. So, so you don't know. The Gemara doesn't tell you who's right. You know, it could be Hillel, it could be Shabbat. But if you look at the Shulchan Aruch, it says, no, no, do what Hillel said. Does that mean that Shabbat is wrong? I don't think so. Because we still learn the Gemara. We still learn the Gemara. So if you learn the Gemara, it means that there's a more absolute truth, which is discoverable by learning the positions of Hillel and Shammai and how they play off against each other. But still, you need a psaq. You need some sort of halachic anchor. And the halachic anchor is what you have in the Shulchan Aruch. For example, I mean, you know, 
I mean, halachic anchor is not the end. Even though it would seem, when you read the Rambam, the Rambam's introduction to Yad HaZakah, it sounds like the Rambam thought that after he decided whatever the halacha is, you didn't have to learn Gemara anymore. It was finished. So if the Rambam would show up today and go to a yeshiva, he would really be unhappy. Because the Rambam, the book that the Rambam wrote, not only did it not free us from learning Gemara, but it became a kind of a commentary on the Gemara. So, so the Rambam would have a lot to be unhappy about if he returned to the world and went to yeshiva. Uh, because, because this idea, this idea that the truth is someplace, but it's not so accessible, is a kind of a very compelling idea. And that's why in yeshivas they can learn Baba Kama, which is about things that are totally irrelevant and unnecessary. You know, like you learn torts. I mean, who wants to learn about torts? I mean, like what person who is like worried about how to daven, it says, gee, I gotta finish my day by studying torts. But it, it's not that way. It's that there's a machlokas, a bayin rova. And that machlokas clarifies the truth. Right, so that's like, a, that's like a great idea. I mean, it's like, you know, took a, a few thousand years to work that out. But today, I, I think it's, uh, it's what motivates people to study Torah. I mean, there are people who do it for information, you know, like there are jobs. The Torah also provides jobs. So you might want to learn the Kachra to be a mashkiach in, uh, in a restaurant. So you need people like that. that that's true. But most of the people, at least in my day, who learned Yeridea, weren't uh, interested in getting a job. They were just wanted to, to understand. I want to understand something. And so that was the power. The power, the attraction of learning Torah was that you thought you could get to understand something. I'm not sure it was always true for everybody, but uh, even if it wasn't, the idea of it was very compelling. Okay. All the best. I love those. What happened?